Hello, and welcome to Remember the Film, where we talk about movies and all the things that make them memorable. I'm Jeff Grizzolrich, and with me are my co-hosts, Hugo and Josh. How are you Hello. guys doing today? Great. Well, you know, I am I just got tested for COVID uh, because my stepfather, who lives with me, uh, tested positive for COVID. So we're all quarantined in our house, and, and hopefully we get our results back soon and they're do negative. They... But I'm excited to talk about movies, at least. Do they still do COVID tests by slicing your hand and then putting a hot wire in the blood? Yes, yes, that's exactly how they do them. And yeah, and it's a pain because then you have to go to surgery and they have to reattach your hand. And, and yeah, like it's a whole thing. It's a mess. It's a, a whole disaster. thing. Yeah, it's a whole thing. <laughs> Good one. Uh, yeah. No, well, so no. on that note, uh, in today's episode, we are going to discuss our first film to remember, The Thing from 1982. And not, after that, it's not called The Thing. It's called it's John, John Carpenter's, Carpenter's The Thing. The Thing. Yes. <laughs> uh, and so after that, we're going to go into our topic of the week, which is horror movies. How do they hold up? Uh, and uh, so we're going to go ahead and just jump right into our film to remember. And uh, we're going to start off with a little, you know, spoiler-free uh, discussion of our thoughts on it. Very brief. And then I'm going to put up the spoiler warning on the video. Uh and, uh, you know, if you're an audio listener, then uh, you just pause here and go watch the movie if you haven't watched it yet, uh, which you should have because we told you about it last week, right? So Yes. Uh, and because it's so, great. <laughs> and because it's great. Which, you know, Hugo, you go ahead and kick us off. What are your spoiler-free thoughts on um, John Carpenter's The Thing? So The Thing was a movie I had already seen, um, but uh, I, I feel like... It, at the time that I saw it, I, I really appreciated it and I loved it and I thought it was fantastic. But over the years, it, it had been a while since I had seen it and I sort of forgot uh, why I thought it was so great. Because when you think about it just from a plot point of view, it's it's a relatively simple film. Um, it's only an hour and 45 minutes, barely. And, you know, the plot is relatively straightforward. But uh, you forget how how great the music is and how great the atmosphere is and how it really manages to get under your skin and make you feel paranoid. And, and it, it really puts you in the, in, in, in the heads of these characters who are living in the situation and, and are feeling the paranoia of not being able to trust anyone. And, uh, you know, it's a fantastic film. It's one of those great movies that everybody should watch, even if you don't like horror, you don't like body horror. It's, it's a great science fiction concept. It's, you know, I would recommend it to, really anyone who likes films in general what about you josh josh what, what, what do you think uh my take is this movie rules uh was it your first time I had, it was my first time and like it's fantastic um like you said hugo it's it's very lean uh there's not not yes. an ounce of fat on this movie which i always appreciate i like movies where um you know every second matters and you know pushes the movie towards the conclusion and um i think the setup is is genius um just you know characters being isolated in a place and being unable to leave and then being trapped in this place with this thing for lack of a better word and uh not being able to trust anybody they're with that's just a great setup and um it really goes places that you're hoping it goes and it goes places that surprise you and you know in the last as the last like half hour approaches i had no idea what was going to happen next and how they were going to get out of this or if they were going to get out of this and um yeah just really atmospheric and really enjoyable and really well made and great execution of a great concept and Chris? yeah i agree 
Yeah, I agree completely. The movie is fantastic. Uh, I'm not a huge horror fan uh, traditionally, but this is so much more than just a horror movie that I think that there's something to be, you know, enjoyed for anyone who enjoys just suspense at all. Uh, it is well executed in that regard. I I think there are some things that make this not a perfect movie, but mm-hmm. you know, it is just absolutely fantastic. I, I watched, you know, 16 horror movies in the last <laughs> week and this, that's, that's this insane. was my favorite. <laughs> so uh, it's COVID. Yeah, we're all at home. We have a lot of time. <laughs> it you know was, I was I, I'm glad I saved it for the last movie I watched before recording, because uh, I wanted to kind of see where it sat among the context of other horror movies, and it's just a better movie than most horror movies I watched. Uh, so I if you haven't seen it yet, I still think you should go see this. Uh, um, where wherever you can stream it right now. Uh, it is definitely worth a watch. Uh, so now let's go into our, our spoiler thoughts. Uh, for you audio listeners, again, uh, since you don't have a way for you to know that there's spoilers are coming and when they're going to end, you should probably pause the movie and go watch the thing, or pause, pause the podcast and go watch the thing, and then come back and finish listening to us uh, at this time. But everybody else, I on the video format, I've got a spoiler logo up to let you know uh, as long as we're talking about spoilers. And uh, when that goes away, you can unmute the, the show but and please watch uh, know the you're thing. good to go. But please watch the thing. Watch the thing. <laughs> you know, it's, it's brilliant. And, you know, and the most underrated thing about this movie is it has the best dog acting I've ever seen. Because that dog is creepy as hell. And I don't know how they, exactly they achieved that. Like, like, so that. All these scenes about the dog just ominously looking at them and it fills you with dread because you don't know what, what is coming but anyway so to talk about the movie we thought we might you know briefly go through the plot and we can discuss individual scene individual individual scenes individual moments as they come up if, and if actually that's... real quick I, I meant to say this stuff before putting on the spoiler warning but whatever it's too late now that's right. <laughs> yeah. uh, next time <laughs> i just wanted to mention uh just some fun facts about the movie oh yeah uh, go ahead uh, like you know obviously we know that it's john carpenter's the thing directed by john carpenter he was not the original director hired for the movie uh originally they went with toby hooper who was from uh, texas right. chainsaw massacre yes and uh the producers were unhappy uh with the the draft of the film that was presented to them. So they decided to go another route and they went through several other directors. I think I saw on a couple of people say John Landis was in talks uh, for this movie as well. Uh, and they went through other writers and then eventually the product was shelved entirely until after the success of alien. Mm-hmm. And when the alien was successful, they're like, okay, let's bring it back. And John Carpenter had just been coming off of Halloween and he was already who Stuart Cohen, the producer, had wanted to direct the movie in the first place. So it just kind of worked out that uh, he was able to come back to it. Right. And had he already uh, made um, Escape from New York at this point? Or not? Yes. Is it, isn't Escape from New York the year before? Year before, yeah. Josh is nodding yes. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. So that's that's probably how he got to collaborate with, with you know. From what I was reading... From what I was reading, it was, you know, they had seen that he could have success in the horror genre. Uh, 
you know, so they, they decided to bring him on. Uh, some fun facts about the reviews of this movie. This movie was critically panned at oh, really? release. Yes. Uh, well, it, I guess more accurately, it had mixed reviews. Right. Some people thought very highly of it. A lot of people thought very, very poorly of it. Uh, just as some examples, Vincent Camby from the New York Times said, The thing is too phony. Uh, it's too phony looking to be disgusting. It qualifies only as instant junk. Oh, and Newsweek writer, Newsweek writer David Anson said, There's a big difference between shock effects and suspense, and in sacrificing everything at the altar of gore, Carpenter sabotages the drama. The thing is so single-mindedly determined to keep you awake that it almost puts you to sleep. He also called it atrocity for atrocity's sake. Oh my god, that's... wow. I don't even think that Which is... the film is that gory. I mean, maybe it's just because we're watching it in 2020 and it doesn't feel the same, but I, right. you know, well, that's a messed up If you've seen, you know, if you've seen Texas it's... Chainsaw Massacre, it's, 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 you know, creepier and more unsettling than this movie. Well, I'm right. betting that person didn't like Texas Chainsaw Massacre either then, if that's what their take on the thing is. Probably but, not. I mean... Probably. It also doesn't have a very happy ending, so like atrocities for atrocities' sake, you can conceivably finish this movie and say, "What was all that for?" You know, I I kind of mm-hmm. get that read. Uh, Roger Ebert, two and a half stars. My guy, Roger. Oh yeah. no. So it has a a fifty seven meta score. Uh, well, okay. Which is... But to be fair, right. to be fair, Metacritic doesn't do a great job with old. Because they sometimes don't that's manage true. to to you know to collect as much as much reviews as many reviews as you'd want, and I think you know Rotten Tomatoes is a little better for that. I don't think it has the highest Rotten Tomatoes either, uh, considering it's it's you know widely considered a, a horror and sci-fi classic. It doesn't really have the reviews that some other movies of this genre. I don't know. Let's say the Terminator. The Terminator has a hundred on Rotten Tomatoes and it's sort of in that same league of classic horror sci-fi movies. Um, For sure. But I, I think this film at the time probably uh, it was difficult for audiences and critics to, to absorb it because it was it is violent, there is a lot of body horror, but I think it's so heightened that it, it doesn't really feel as violent as other movies that maybe have less body horror less violence but where the violence is more realistic and so it feels it, it's a little more effective at least to me personally and i also don't think it sacrifices the drama at all the film is all about suspense Com- the, completely agree with you hugo the actual <laughs> the actual violent scenes don't even last that long they usually you know they're usually little spurts there's one scene you see the thing explode out of the head of one of the characters but it ends after you know half a minute or a minute they never they don't go on too long it's not gore porn or anything like that you know two more little fun facts one uh the budget is estimated 15 million 1.5 million of it was spent on creature effects wow uh which was at the time a lot like the most it's, it's an insane amount to, to spend mm-hmm. on that and the producers originally wanted a much uh lower or rather a uh, universal wanted a much lower uh, budget for that originally but once they started seeing you know some of the stuff that they were making they're like okay yeah go, go ahead go ahead yeah <laughs> uh, do you know my how last it did the fact, box office oh um the gross box office 19 million six hundred twenty nine thousand seven hundred and sixty dollars which so, is a lot for the time for an r-rated 
hardcore horror movie. Yeah. I don't think it's what Universal wanted. <laughs> no, but it, it's not bad for 15 million bucks, you know. It's crazy it opened on uh, the same my... day as Blade Runner. Yeah, which is crazy. I didn't know that. <laughs> it opened in theaters on the same day as Blade Runner, and which also is considered more of a historical flop than the thing is, but yeah. It was also op- it was also up against E.T., which I don't know if you guys know this. E.T. was an enormous box office hit. Like it played for oh, I know. all yeah. of 1982 and was number one for like 10 weeks or something like that, which is just not something you see anymore. I think it still has the record for most weeks as number one at the box office in the U.S. or something like that. I think it's still right. the number one for most weeks in uh, a row. Maybe. I mean, I think Titanic would give it a run for its money, but. I don't know, but yeah, E.T. Sure. was an, an enormous yeah. hit, and like I, I think they thought that this would be like counter-programming to E.T., and it mm-hmm. wasn't. And it wasn't. So, yeah. Um, the last fun fact I have for you, uh, Ennio Morricone, am I saying that right? En- Hugo, help me out here. No, you're not. Ennio Morricone. Morricone. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Good uh, luck. The score, his score for this movie was nominated for a Razzie for Worst Score. Wow. Wow, what? How? How does that happen? And then, even more interestingly, uh, there was unused music from the thing that he later used in The Hateful Eight. In The Hateful Eight, yes. Which won him the Oscar. (laughs) And, you know, and if you've seen seen The Hateful Eight, you know, the the comparisons to the thing are almost uncanny. They use Morricone's scores. They, it, it's the same type of situations. They even have the picket lines to get to another section of the of the the area of the snowy area where the block where they're stuck. Cut uh, Russell is in it. Uh, there's so many similarities. A lot of gore. You know, it's an obvious inspiration for that. And the uh, ending, the endings really mirror each other a lot. Not to yes, spoil the hate play. Absolutely, the ending mirrors the thing. Wow, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's remarkable. I had just because I, wow. I was reading about Morricone and stuff, but but yeah, it's it's weird how similar the movies are. How about that? But anyway, um, yeah, go ahead, go in with the plot. Uh, I would go. Uh, yeah, let's go, go through the plot just just quickly. Um, the movie opens with this really odd scene. If you don't know what the movie is, it's really an unsettling <clears> scene because you see this dog running in the snow. And this chopper is just trying to get to this dog, and they're firing on it, and they're, they're, they're throwing grenades at it. And, of course, we later find out that the dog was this... Oh, go ahead, Josh. I was just going to say that I've, you know, I've dabbled in the world of screenwriting, and I've taken some classes, and I've been told repeatedly by many people that audiences will tolerate a lot of bad things happening to people, but they will not tolerate any bad things happening to dogs. So if you're opening your movie, yes. as you just alluded to Hugo, by having people shoot at dogs, throw grenades at dogs, that's that's wild. And you better you better do it something is. with that. Yeah, and they do. Oh my god. You know, they, it, I, and I, it, but it puts you in the mood right away because you have no idea what's going on. You just see this dog running and then the dog reaches this base that you don't, that you know nothing about and some Americans run out and then the chopper lands, and then this this guy who speaks a foreign language that you don't know uh, starts shouting at them, and and you don't know what's happening. And then he shoots at the dog, misses, and then one of the Americans shoots him in the head, and so the guy dies. And you know, and and if you know what's what's going on, you know that this guy is from a 
another base in Antarctica. Oh, the film is set in Antarctica. And uh, basically the guy was following this dog because this dog turns out to be this creepy alien from outer space that can replicate um, living things from from our world. And it, it, it plans basically to take over and make... Uh, we don't really know exactly what it plans. It's never clear in the movie if... And, and I'd like to ask you guys this. Do you think uh, the thing is sentient in in the sense that it wants to take over the world in a way or do you think it's just acting on instinct because there's also an argument to make i think that the film is about this sort of creature that is just trying to survive in a way in the only way that it knows (coughs) well i think it's kind of both i mean like yes it's 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 an instinct to for this organism to just spread to as many things and places as it can but it also like clearly uses some kind of strategy in order to do that like it is like trying to deceive these people in order to absorb them and Mm -hmm. and spread further um i mean i think it's just like the just like it's it's you know in its dna it's just supposed to spread and grow you know it's a cancer it's a it's a world destroyer um it probably goes from planet to planet and just takes over all life on that planet um i'm thinking about i don't know if you guys have seen the james gunn's debut directorial debut is it's called slither um I there's a creature known. the villain in that is a creature that's similar it just goes from planet to planet and just kills everything on it Takes and uses all, all its resources yeah so i'm assuming that's kind of what this thing's mo is mm-hmm. what do you think chris uh, do you think it's i don't know it's, it's just trying to survive I, or i think ultimately it doesn't matter right uh, yeah the i i i'm inclined to believe that it's it has an intent because mm-hmm. oh uh, definitely it's definitely intelligent because so you know it comes I'm, I'm from more on the side there. that it's trying to take over mm-hmm. and you know i but i think i think it's drive for takeover isn't like in a typical alien movie where you know the aliens are invading with the express purpose of uh you know killing the humans and taking over the planet i think the thing uh, it, it's pretty clear it didn't intend to end up on this planet right but now that it's here it's got to make its own place here and so it's, you know, yes, it's more about that. Because also, basically, during the movie, and, you know, obviously we've all seen it, but what happens is, at some point, the, the main characters uh, go to this Norwegian base on their chopper, and they find out that there's the Norwegians had done this huge esca- excavation where there was a spaceship, which, it, which has a really, you know, really classic space sort of design. And they, they find out that the Norwegians uncovered something in this spaceship but they don't really know what this thing that they found was uh, but they found the whole they find the whole base uh, destroyed they found some burned bodies and they found the and they uh, what they what they find that they decide to bring back to their base is this really messed up and disfigured um human cad cadaver but it doesn't even look it's like, human. like it's human multiple it's, humans kind of all... melded into one Yes, thing. It's, yeah. it's different parts, and its head has been separated. And this is the first it, big practical makeup effect that we see. And and we later learn I'm that showing this a thing, picture of it on the video right now. <laughs> and we later learn that this thing is the thing they find is like the thing, or like a version of the thing, and it must have been killed mid transformation because what this 
being does it, it absorbs other beings and then can take their shape and i guess it theoretically like has their memories too because it can like it you know i think it acts so, as the people yeah, I, right so it, what they bring back from the, actually, yeah. what they bring back from the norwegian base is just like a the thing mid-transformation that's why there's like two human heads that are all mangled and disgusting looking yes and so what happens is it, it turns out that dog wasn't a dog and that's why I say it has, this film has such great dog acting, because you see the dog walking around the base and it looks at people because they, they do an autopsy on, on this this disfigured uh, monster that they found. The dog looks at them and, and, and he walks around in a creepy way. And then when they put them in, in, in the cage with the other dogs, we see that this dog sort of transform and its skin comes off and we see the mouth of the dog come out. And there's this sort of, uh, demogorgon type opening of a mouth and these weird tentacles, and tentacles come out tentacles. And, it, and it starts taking over the other dogs but yeah. basically and spraying, and spraying something on yes one. weird whatever if it is it acid. I felt so bad for that dog <laughs> oh yes yes the poor dogs that had to go through that but you know it, and it's these incredible practical effects and it turns into this weird bizarre monster and and then you know one of the yeah. one of the doctors on the base is played by Wilfred Brimley. Uh, Blair is his character's mm-hmm. name, and he kind of discovers what's going on because um, he performs mm-hmm. the autopsy on the multi-humanoid thing they bring back from the Norwegian base, and he realizes yeah. what's going on. So he, uh, the dogs that survived their encounter with the thing in the cage, do not survive their encounter with Blair because he goes down there with an axe and kills and all the kills dogs them all, in there because. Yeah. He's not sure which one may or may not be the thing, which is a precursor to the rest of the movie. You don't know exactly. what is a dog and what is the thing, so you just kill them all just to be safe to keep the thing from spreading to everyone else. And again, that's what happens to the dogs first at the end of Act One is what happens to the humans for the rest of the movie. Yes, and that's also the scene with the dogs is where uh, we first when when, he's, when the dog is transformed. That's when we first start having to have suspicion of other human characters yes because uh, we instantly the, suspect the guy who loves the dogs uh, i can't remember clark? his name clark, clark? maybe because okay one of the big flaws of this movie and i think we were talking about this before uh, before we started recording is that the characters themselves are sometimes not as memorable as, as they should be there's a lot of characters because a lot of them have to die for the story to work and so you sort of they sort of blend in with each other character there's basically there's basically only four characters that i think are actually memorable yes and that's mccready yeah childs blair and then i'm even forgetting the name of the last guy i think is memorable but he's the captain the you know with the gun the one that you know who had access to the blood you know who i'm talking about uh uh sure i already forgot his name (laughs) the the white hair character yeah yeah well yeah yeah the, the uh the guy who shoots the the Norwegian at the beginning of the movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him. I I, I can't remember the character's name. I but I like the character. Otherwise, mm-hmm. everybody else is very you know plug and play. You can put anyone in that spot. Gary, his name was Gary, I think. His Gary. Name was Gary. Right. I, I, I think that the they, I don't they're there to be slaughtered by this thing yes. taking them all. And so yeah, yes. what happens is Blair, which is I think he's a scientist on the base. He he sort yes. of 
he sort of loses it and he goes he becomes completely paranoid because he's the first one to understand oh this thing is taking us over and he uses this really goofy 80s computer program that is simulating what would happen if this thing got to society and it looks ridiculous so, now but at the time it really worked that was actually one of my notes was like this uh compute this exposition computer that just spits out exposition yeah. at you i kind of rolled my eyes at it and that was like really the only time in the movie that i rolled my eyes which that's a mm-hmm. that's a you know that, there's an eye roll factor to every movie and the lower the eye roll factor the better yeah. um however i did especially a movie with think, this kind of concept yes but i did think about um one of my favorite you know i don't love horror movies but i do love the fly cronenberg's the fly and that also right. is an 80s movie with an excellent exposition computer where uh yeah um uh jeff goldblum is typing in questions to the computer and it's spitting out <laughs> answers at him and it, it's all for yeah. you know it's it's for his benefit but it's also for the benefit of the audience but i think they do a better job on the fly because it's like scarier and more ominous and like he types mm-hmm. in like what happened to the fly and then the computer computer answers fly and stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah and they do the same thing, thing in but, alien as well yeah but i mean i guess like you know the computer is, you know, they do the same like ominous reveal of like, you know, what happens if the creature gets to mm-hmm. a big population. It says everyone's dead within three years, or it actually says yeah. twenty-seven thousand hours. But I did the math on yeah. that. That's just over three. Yeah, years. Yeah, me too. I, I immediately got my phone out to calculate. Was it three years? <laughs> yeah, it's just a little over three years. And so, so this Blair character who's figured it out basically decides, oh, we can't. There's no way we can know who's the thing and who isn't the thing because anybody in the base could be the thing any animal could be the thing and so what he does is he destroys all the com- the communication e- equipment and he destroys the chopper and he destroys even they have they have an excavator or something another means of means of trans- transportation he basically sabotages everything um yeah he panicked he panicked yeah. a little bit here yeah he he panicked <laughs> he, he went to he went into paranoia, but at the end, at the end of the day, he was right. Because the way the movie ends, they they don't figure out a way how to completely destroy this thing, or how to completely know who is the thing and who isn't the thing, or at least not, you know, not in a reliable way that they can count on to get back to civilization. And so, so they they lock. I, I don't know. I think they they figured out a way to do it. Yes, but it was just. But the you know. thick, but it, but they also say yes. But if only a few particles of this thing can survive and take over someone, they'd have to repeat. The, they they do figure out a way, but they would have to repeat the test all the time, because they would never know definitively. And even you know, and that jumping to the ending, the ending is McCready, which is the main character played by Kurt Russell, who's basically the character. He during the movie he takes over, he gets the weapons, and he decides, okay, I'm going to be the arbiter. I'm going to decide who's the thing and who's not the thing. I'm going to figure out who it is and I'm going to save everyone, basically. Anyone who's still human. At the end, he he ends up alone with another character. And the point of the ending is that character had tested negative for the test that they did. But you don't know if he's the thing or not. He might be. And so they I think might they made a critical have... flaw in the in the plan, which was after you've tested everyone, keep everyone together. Exactly. You have to stay together. <laughs> you can't separate. You can't separate. So anyway, I, I think we should go through some of the big body horror sequences because that that's you know it, that's the the big I think special effect uh, innovation of this movie. 
it's 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 doing those body horror sequences that look so so good so then, still i think i think we're gonna talk about the body horror things and there's there's three things we need to talk about we need to talk about the dog when they first discover yes. the dog and the thing itself yeah. is revealed that's number one we need to talk about the autopsy mm-hmm. that's number two and we talk yep. about the blood tests where uh yeah and a the lot of stuff happens with blood tests and the defibrillator that's the i meant when i said the autopsy i meant the defibrillator that's sorry yeah, about yeah, that. yeah 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 so so those three the the dog reveal the defibrillator and the blood test yeah um okay so we already set up the dog idea but yeah josh go ahead and say what happens next because it's brilliant uh in, in the defibrillator, defibrillator scene. No, I, I yeah, we, we've, ta- we've talked about we've talked about the dog. I think we sure. talked about the dog. We um, didn't finish it because what's cool about the dog is that you do see one as as they come in with a flamethrower to burn it, which is the way they figure out how to kill the thing. It, you can see one of the bits that was part of the dog that sort of detaches itself and goes through the roof, and so you as an audience know that that basically there's part of the thing out there that's still alive. Right. Uh, but but the characters don't. It's so it's like cool, a starfish but... where if you cut off an arm, it'll grow into another starfish. Yeah. basically. Yes. Um, yes. So exactly. for the for the for the defibrillator scene, um, one of the characters I can't remember his name because it doesn't really matter because he dies early enough in the movie. The doctor. Um, the doctor. One of yeah. them. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's multiple doctors I think, but I don't. Regardless, this guy. He's and doctor. <laughs> he is and doctor. He. Uh, they already know the thing is out there because they've seen the dog transform, so they are uh, kind of battering down the hatches and starting to try to hunt this thing on an, uh, in their camp so they can eliminate it. Mm-hmm. And this one particular character like has chest pains and he collapses. Yes. And is he is he dead right away? No, he's not dead right away, which is why they try to revive him with a defibrillator. Mm-hmm. And so they got him on the operating table. And this scene actually reminded me a lot of Alien. Because um, again, mm-hmm. he's on the operating table like the amazing, iconic scene in Alien. And the doctor's yeah. trying to revive him with defibrillator paddles and at one point his arms when he presses down on his chest his arms go through his chest and then uh (laughs) when the doctor pulls his arms out they are now stumps because i i don't know if the thing the chest there was a mouth in his arms yeah like i guess there's a mouth yeah becomes a big mouth and it sort of bit bites the the hands off and so they come into the room I guess the benefit of being a shapeshifter is you can put your mouth wherever you want it. So if a guy keeps pressing yes. on this thing's chest, he can just move his mouth to the chest and then bite the guy's arms off. And yes, exactly. that was a rough scene. Rough scene for, uh, rough. for our doctor there. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, that was hard to watch. Th- so the, the dog reveal is mostly in shadow. And not only is it in shadow, but it's like it's shot via flashlight because like all the men looking at it have flashlights. So there's like a really cool, yes. like it's dark and they can kind of. You know, it's 1982, so the special effects are what they are, but they can kind of hide the seams a little bit mm-hmm. with the dog reveal, and right. less so with the defibrillator scenes. I thought the dog reveal was like actually pretty scary, and like I didn't mind that it looked mm-hmm. like it was this movie was made 40 years ago. Um, and I think the body horror scenes get progressively worse in terms of like how they look in 2020. Hold like up. dog scene number one, defibrillator scene number two, and then the blood scene later is like it's scary, but it's also you know in broad you know it's it's more well lit so like it it looks not great four years later yes but i do think even in in there are parts even the well lit scenes there are parts that still look great and parts that don't um so for example i do agree that mouth is a bit is a bit goofy 
but but the effect of the arms being bit off, like when you see the doctor, mm-hmm. you basically yeah. see the doctor pull out his arms and he screams and, and you don't see the hands. I think that's a pretty good effect. Um, and I also uh, really like what happens next. I think the seat basically in the dead body of the guy who was on the fibrillator table, um, the head starts detaching itself mm. from the body because it's this trying again the to, survival instinct. Yeah, it's the survival instinct of the thing. It tries, it's trying to escape because it knows it's been detected, and so they come in and they burn the body. Uh, but the head sort of detaches itself and and it's upside down and, and it, it sort of becomes a weird, creepy spider crab thing, and it tries First, to escape. First, when it when it latches on, it like shoots its tongue out and oh latches yeah, onto yeah, a chair to pull itself away. Oh I, yes, I was like, that is that is really gross. <laughs> that is so gross. Yeah, and I think that part looks pretty good. I think that's it that, does. That I've got a picture works. of it up right now on the screen. Yeah, it looks yeah. uh, it looks gross. Yeah, and yeah. it didn't look it didn't look cheap either. You no, know, it it I mean it does look a little dated, but mm-hmm. you know that that's a little unavoidable. Yeah, uh, for a movie this old, but it it, it, it reminded me. Good. It reminded me of the face hugger in Alien and Aliens. In the Alien. way, like just mm-hmm. you know, creepy crawls around and you're really yep. stressed out when you see you, when you can't tell where it goes. You get really stressed out because you're afraid it's going to jump out of you and get your characters. I thought it was going to get away. Yeah, me too. But they, but they, but they notice it finally as it's on its way out the door, and uh, they they turn around and finish the job with the flamethrower. Uh, but that's when uh, McCready gets the idea to do the blood test that we talked about yeah. earlier. Uh, you know, that it has a survival instinct. And if they put a hot you know, piece of metal into, or you know, in this case, a wire, into a Petri dish full of blood, if it's the thing's blood, it'll try to run away. Yes. And that brings us into that cool sequence, <clears throat> which brings us to the last transformation when they discover that, I believe it was Palmer... Mm-hmm. Uh, was a thing, and the guy's strapped to the the chair next to him, freaking out. That was, you know, I was right there with him, like, let him out, untie them. <laughs> yeah, and and I think this scene is really good at adding to the paranoia because they're all standing around. Basically, McGreedy has taken over. He's the only one who has, well, he has a gun and he has the flamethrower, and he decides, oh, I'm gonna do the test, and you're gonna just sit down, and I'm gonna tie you up. And some of them don't want to be tied up. And one of the guys who who we might have suspected could have been the thing, because he's the one who, t- who took care of the dogs in the beginning, basically reacts against McCready and says, oh, you're not going to tie me up. And so McCready shoots him. And the guy dies. And we, we kind of think that he was a thing, but then they do the test on his blood, and it turns out he wasn't a thing. He was just a human. So McCready killed a, a person because they're Child so Child calls him a murderer. Yeah, Child's, Child's, Child's calls him a murderer. murderer. Yeah, I disagree with Child's on that because the guy did have a scalpel in his hand and was yeah. trying to attack him. Absolutely, but still, but it, it adds to this sense of dread that you feel that you, as an audience audience member, don't really don't know who could or, or, or couldn't be thing. And and you think, okay, definitely Blair, the guy who they locked into the room, he was the one who was sane. He was the one. Yeah, he went a little over the top, but. He was the one who understood that, okay, this thing can't get to civilization and uh, we have to stop it. And so he did what he did. He destroyed the comms equipment, etc. And they locked him away. So he's definitely not the thing. And it turns out he was the thing in the end. So the film also always plays with your expectations. And I think it does a really good 
Jonathan. And you never, and with Blair, you never have any idea when it occurred. Exactly. So it could have been at any time. don't have any way to know, like, it, we assume it was after he had made the discovery that they mm-hmm. need to destroy everything. Because otherwise, why would he have destroyed everything to keep exactly? But then, at some point after that, he he was definitely taken over. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't. So I didn't in, think in... about this. I didn't think about this as we were watching it, but as we we're talking about it later, I I did. When McCready and Nalls and I guess Gary are the last three survivors, and they're looking for Blair because he like escaped yes. from where they had locked him in the shed. They're like underground yeah. looking for him. And they comment that he had Blair had taken the leftover parts from the exploded helicopter and used them to build a new ship down below. Yes. And at the time, it had not yet been revealed that Blair was the thing. But in hindsight, like, of course he is, because why would Blair know how to recover hot, you know, helicopter parts and make a ship when like yeah. the thing might know how to do that because he came here on an which, alien craft? Which also makes you wonder, OK, but maybe... Maybe he destroyed the helicopter because he wanted to take the parts in the first place. How do we know that he even wanted the helicopter? You don't know. It's unsettling that's, not to know. That's, that's the true, only person you know, McCre- that you're sure throughout the movie is McCready. And McCready does actually say at one point, you know, the thing doesn't care if it makes it out of here. It just wants to make sure we don't. You know, and yes. he says, you know, the, th- the thing can survive being frozen. So if, like, we all die then the, the thing can just freeze and sleep until the rescue team comes, and then he can continue. So maybe Blair was the thing when he destroyed the helicopter, because then he's just keeping his food there, basically, in the in the form of humans. And you say that we're never suspicious of McCready, but I, we definitely are. And, and you were? Or, or we're supposed to be. Yeah, because they, they show us McCready's jacket in the snow. Oh, right, and yes. So, like, That's you're true. under the assumption that, well, McCready's the main character, so he's probably good, but... Mm-hmm. They put they put that in there just enough that you have a, a hair of doubt about McCready, mm-hmm. so that it makes the other characters' doubt of McCready much more believable. Because, yeah, I oh, mean, that's for them, true. Oh, that's true. Because even in the snow, because even the scene where before they do the test, he they they basically they had let him out, they had left him outside because they thought they'd seen the jacket and they found the jacket torn apart. So they thought, oh shit, he, he's definitely the thing, and so we have to leave him outside, not let him back in. Uh, but he manages to come back in and then he takes the dynamite and he uses the dynamite to, to, to say, oh, if you get close to me and try to kill me, I'm, I'm just going to blow up all, all of us up. And, and and so that's why they do the test scene. And, and the first thing he does, oh, I'm going to show you what I already know. And he does his blood first and then shows them that he wasn't the thing at the end of the day. And so, but yeah, I suppose so. But, you know, it's still a, a relatively brief, moment yeah and, it's only a and, moment of of doubt for mccready but it's enough to reinforce the idea in your mind that anyone could be yes. the thing literally anyone mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that's what makes this movie so suspenseful from basically start to finish the moment they bring the dog in and of course we know the title of the movie is the thing so yes. these norwegians are trying to kill this dog i assume it's not because they don't like dogs no i, <laughs> I assumed the dog was the thing right from jump which i think most people probably do mm-hmm. so from right from the start you're already thinking okay well the thing is the dog is probably the thing and i don't know this yet but i assume that he's not going to always be the thing or he's yeah. not always going to be a dog because otherwise you know that's not a 
It's not the sort of thing that becomes horror history. <laughs> no. You know, a, a killer dog in Antarctica. Ah, maybe you can make a movie out of that. <laughs> I suppose. But still, you know. So I'm suspicious from the start about the dog. And then because of that, I'm suspicious of everyone. And they yeah. just keep reinforcing that, sus- that, that suspicion throughout the entire movie. And that's what makes this movie not just horror, uh, not just a great horror movie, but a great movie in general. Because uh, they keep you on the edge of your seat the whole time. Go ahead, Josh. Real quick, yeah, I wanted to mention that you know mentioned the start of the dog. I'm a big fan of first images and first lines of movies because I feel like that's real estate that you need to use to your advantage. And you know, the first images, like you said, Hugo is hunting a dog, so you are you already setting up predator and prey in your opening images, which yeah. is which is thematically meaningful. The first lines are uh, McCready playing chess with this chess computer. And yeah. he says to the computer, poor baby, you're starting to lose it, aren't you? Which is also a very <laughs> meaningful first line because they all eventually all start to lose it. And um, yeah. I, li- I-, I like that in the first eight minutes, you know, they're talking about why the Norwegians would have come here shooting a dog and then shoot the Americans. And the doctor's explanation was stir crazy, cabin fever, who knows? Which, again, is very yeah. uh, prescient for what's about to happen in the next hour and a half. Yeah, well, so that sure. kind of brings us to to the end of the movie. Uh, yeah. where, yes. Know. So the final sequence is they go look for Blair, and they don't find him. And but they figure out, oh, he's probably the thing because he's building this spaceship uh, or spaceship-looking vehicle. So he, he, he's probably been taken over. And so at some point they basically decide, okay, we're not going to get out of here, and we can't let this thing survive in the ice. So the last ditch effort, the last thing we can possibly do is just blow everything up, set it all on fire, and we know it hates fire, and hopefully that will kill it, right? So they start hopefully. going. Hopefully, <laughs> so they. But but what what they did was Childs, uh, which was one of the characters, had who had tested positive. He wasn't the thing, okay? He, oh, we're using testing positive, which is very twenty twenty for COVID, but whatever. You, <laughs> that's that's 2020 language for you he really um, had a negative test a negative yes test. He yes was not the thing. he was not <laughs> the thing right uh basically he, he disappears they don't know where he is he sort of disappears from the movie completely and so they have this big final showdown they they find blair who has this bizarre final kill on one of them in which he basically takes his hand and puts it inside the skin of this character and sort of i don't know i'm assuming he's sort of shooting out this the, the thing's tentacles inside his throat or something like that at the very least he's keeping him from being able to make a sound yes and it's really creepy and um basically at this point i think what happens is thing uh, figures out okay there's only mccready left i can probably turn into this big monster and kill him but mccready uh has dynamite in his hands and he decides okay basically he says never mind the only thing i can do is blow this thing up and so it, it turns into this huge monster and it, it, it does this horrible sound at him and he's he's like oh yeah fuck you too and he show and he throws the dynamite <laughs> blows up the whole base so the yes. base is gone and you think right the movie is over. He 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 killed the thing. 
uh, he he's not going to make it because he's alone in the snow and he's just going to die there. But at least um, he managed to avoid this thing, getting to civilization. Um, but then Childs, who had disappeared, shows back up. And the final scene is just them sitting down in the snow and looking at each other, fully knowing that they can't be sure about one another. They don't know who could possibly be the thing. And so they just say, then what are we going to do now? And McCready says as the final line, oh, I guess we'll just wait here for a little while and see what happens. And the movie goes into the great score by Ennio Morricone, and it just ends like that. And, and you have no idea uh, what, what's going to happen next, basically. And I think it's a great ending, you know. I don't know how you guys, how did you guys feel about the ending? That is one of the weak spots for me. Really? It, yeah. I, I I would have liked... I, I feel like they could have resolved it a little more clearly. I know like for some people that's the point, is that you don't know. And it just continues that suspense all the way through the end of the movie so that you don't ever actually get the closure. And for a lot of people, they really like that. For me, the, the, uh, I can see the appeal of that, but I would have liked to have seen one final attempt to decipher who is the thing and who isn't right uh, i don't hate the ending it's just not it's not quite perfect for me right Josh? i think that i think that getting that final answer would be um a betrayal of the movie's theme throughout because you know it's it's built on the paranoia and the distrust and that anybody could be the thing and so to give you a final definitive answer is not in keeping with that so i think it's sure pretty, i completely pretty, understand it yeah, so I think it's a pro, you know, and they do say McCree does say before that he blows up the base. Like, once they blow up the base, they're basically dooming themselves to death because mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to survive until the rescue team comes in like a few months because it's going to be you know too cold. But the thing would survive, and so like it is. He does say multiple times that he doesn't expect to survive. So like these two characters, if they are both human, they're not going to live anyway. And yep. um, so it's already a pretty dark ending, and. But the possibility that one of them the thing may for actually... Me, though... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Just on that. The thing about that for me, though, is that they both know that they need to keep the thing from you know, freezing itself again. So the fact that there are two of them alive, and whether they both believe that they are human or one of them is not human, then the human ones should be trying to eliminate the other one to be certain that they've killed it before it has a chance to freeze. But I think... And so that's why I think it, you know the ending is not quite there for me. But I think that's the point. Like, the point is, after the ending, that is going to happen. But, the, yes. but you're never going to exactly. know, you know, we don't get result, to know. But we don't get to know. I think that is the point of, of we're going to wait here for a little while. Because yeah, after Childs, a little while, something is going to happen. Child says, what do we do now? And he's alluding yeah. to, well, do we kill each other or do we just sit yeah. here and, yeah. And then Chris Russell says, yes, let's wait here a little while. And, and yeah. bottles, okay, so I don't hate the ending. I, I don't hate the ending by any means. I, in fact, I, I do like it. And you guys, of course, are making the, exactly the right points about it, you know, for what makes mm-hmm. it a, a good ending. Uh, for I just personally, you know, I like getting answers to things or at least <laughs> right. having the ability to argue that you might know the answer. Like, what do you, you know, think? Give me something that hints 
that one of them may or may not be so that when you walk out of the movie, everyone's saying, well, I think, I think he was the thing because blah, blah, blah. But we don't get that. Uh, so I do think, what, what do you think? What is your theory? Do you think, do you think Childs is a thing? I definitely think McCready is not. I don't think either of them are the thing. I think they're both just going to die there. <laughs> I think, I think, I think Childs is the thing. Because he disappears. Because they set it up that he disappears, one. And second, he comes there and the first thing he says, oh, it's getting a little hot, isn't it? And I feel like they're, despite the fact that the base is blown up, they're still in the snow. Like, a regular human at minus 40 Celsius, which is what they say it is, would still be really hot. So he's either making a little snarky joke, or maybe he does feel the heat. And maybe the thing feels the heat a lot more than humans because we've seen is vulnerable, you know, to, to fire. That's what it feels. I, don't, I feel like he's as vulnerable to fire as any human is vulnerable to fire. Yes, but it, it but they it has both sort of a, That's true. That's true. But it sort of has a specific thing against fire. Like like humans are not vulnerable to fire. They're vulnerable to the cold, you know. But the thing has a specific thing against fire. And I and so I don't know. And I feel like that line could have been thrown at a little hint. And I also think his demeanor is a little different because I think he throughout the movie he's sort of a um, sort of a gruff guy. He has a strong personality, and and in that in that final scene he's a little bit, a little bit more subdued. And I think that might be an indication. But you know, I think he's the thing, but there's no clear cut answer. So real quick, if if he is a thing, why doesn't he attack McCready right away? That's what I was thinking. Because because McCready doesn't have a flamethrower anymore, and he doesn't have like what is he gonna do? What Take is over he gonna his do? Body that, and... That's my point. But, like you know? what what is what is the thing's rationale to not attack McCready as soon as he counters him? Because McCready can't defend. Himself. Well, okay, I think the reason there is because they want to keep the ending ambiguous. So that you can have theories, <laughs> but, you know, it's sort of but what's, meta what's, what's the in a way? What's the in-universe rationale for the thing to not attack McCready? That's that's why I, I think, think I'm with Chris. That's why I think they're both human. Is he doesn't attack him right away? In in universe, it doesn't care anymore because it agrees with McCready's rationale that it's just going to survive. It's not going to be able to get civilization in that cold, but it can survive by being frozen, and so it'll just wait there and wait for the rescue, and it you know, they're going to find this frozen body and, and it'll take over, you know. But that's just my theory. And I think what's cool about the ending is that we really will never know for sure. Yeah. I wonder if there's any interviews where they they sort of comment on whether he was or not. John Carpenter said he wanted to be ambiguous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it... so two things. I wanted to include one other fun fact that I didn't mention earlier because it is a spoilery fun fact. But right. the... Uh, uh, the Norwegian base that you see at the beginning of the movie, they actually filmed that after they blew up and destroyed the American base, and they just reused the American base as the Norwegian right. base uh, <laughs> to save on save on the budget, which I think is one of That's those great. movie factoids. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say was that we should definitely play Among Us sometime. I don't know if Josh <laughs> is familiar with that game, but it's basically the thing, the game. <laughs> really i haven't nice. played it actually Have you, yet. Nice. you haven't played no. it yet either hugo no yeah no 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 it, you're, you're all locked into a uh a facility and you all have to go about doing your tasks but you know one or two of you are actually imposters and the imposter's goal is to kill everyone and <laughs> 
It was very yeah. fun. Yeah, but yeah, that's pretty close. So that's that's the thing. Uh, right, and what what we haven't mentioned, I don't know if we mentioned it yet, but with the films to remember, we want to make one big list in which in which every week we sort of rank what the best film is. It's completely random. It's completely arbitrary, but it's sort of a fun thing to to you know remember what what all the films were that we watched. We're going to rank so every the, movie that we watch. <laughs> yeah, as we go, basically. So the so, thing is number one. <laughs> the thing is number one. And honestly, you know, whatever we pick, it's it's going to be tough to... Because we generally want to pick movies that we probably haven't seen or that at least two of us haven't seen. Uh, it's going to be tough to find a movie to beat, I think, anytime soon, honestly. Cause I, 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 I agree, because this is, this is really great. It's, an it's a high bar. Okay, well, so let's move into our topic of the show. I'm going to remove our spoiler warning and remove that logo. Okay, so our topic of the show is horror movies. How do they hold up? <laughs> well, uh, well, I think. Yeah, pretty well. <laughs> so what, what prompted this uh, discussion was that you know, as as we said last week, none of us are really big horror fans. Uh, so to start, we're gonna we kind of wanted to just talk a little bit about our relationship with horror movies and why we've felt that way. But that what what got us talking was the question of why do people keep coming back to the same horror movies year after year for decades, uh, and is it because horror movies hold up better than the other genres? But to kick it off, I'll just start with a little bit about you know my personal history with horror movies. Uh, I have a very active imagination when I'm dreaming. So for me, <laughs> horror movies have never been that scary to me. Like while I'm watching the movie, I'm a very logical person and I will find, you know, logical reasons why that's impossible and this would never happen. And, you know, ways to justify why I should not be scared of, of this horror movie. So the genre didn't really appeal to me in general because of that. But when I go to sleep in my dreams, I lose the option to have control <laughs> of, you know the rationale and so then i end up having really vivid nightmares really really horrible nightmares uh based on whatever horror movie i'd watch so growing up i did not watch a lot of horror movies and that's carried on into adulthood um occasionally friends would say oh we really want to watch this let's let's watch this movie and so i would and so like <laughs> one of the one of the first movies i i saw that was a horror movie was uh signs uh yes and that's on and uh Fantastic. i i i rewatched that this week as one of the 16 movies i watched uh and i was significantly less scared this time <laughs> yeah the first time i was absolutely terrified and and you know oh this is horror movies it's a good thing i don't watch these because they're they're terrifying <laughs> i mean when the alien walks from behind that like bush in brazil is remains one of the scariest yes. things i've ever seen in my life yes um but uh, so like movies like that, I also saw Darkness Falls, which I don't even mm. think among horror movies is a well liked horror movie, but it's about like the tooth fairy, but the tooth fairy kills you. Oh, <laughs> terrifying! That sounds horrible. And it was very terrifying. So, uh, but uh, so like I didn't have a good positive relationship with horror because of that. But in my efforts to become more well rounded in terms of movies, as an adult, I started watching things like The Shining, Silence of the Lambs. Uh, which I personally don't even consider a horror movie at all. Uh, but for whatever reason, it has that designation. But I started watching more scary movies like that as I've, as I've gotten older. And so this week, 
I kind of pushed myself. I was like, okay, I'm going to watch a whole bunch of classics that I should have watched a long time ago um, and to form a like an actual well-rounded opinion of horror movies as a genre and the subgenres within that. But that's that's me. So, Hugo, what do you got? Well, okay, I'm uh, in a similar camp, but not exactly, because I, because I have seen quite a few horror movies over the years. But... I think what what I what I'm more in, my, my position is more that I there are specific types of horror movies that I that I that I haven't seen that I don't really uh, have a craving for I've never felt compelled to watch and and I think I gravitate more towards horror movies that are horror movies second and are usually either another subgenre or have a clear idea that they want to get to through horror but if the point of the movie is just to be scary i will either be too scared to watch it and be really unsettled and and feel like it was just a waste of my time because i wanted because i felt terrible the whole time uh which is what i felt watching films like uh the original japanese ring which is something that i watched once and i wish i didn't and uh, i don't know even a film like paranormal Activity where nothing happens but to me that film is the scariest thing i've ever seen because i saw it sorry at 15 years old and i was still like okay i can't walk around my house at night because what if something moves and i'm just gonna freak out you know but so i like movies that are you know either auteur cinema that uses horror or i don't know if they're you know this is a thriller that has horror elements this is a sci-fi film like the thing that has horror elements and I, those are the ones that i'm more interested in say. i definitely like the more psychological thriller type ones yes and, and science fiction ones which also tend to be thrillers as well like yeah. i watched alien years ago and you know you know and while aliens is less a horror movie than alien was even alien i was just so in you know drawn into it mm-hmm. because it's so much more than horror yeah what about you josh uh, I don't like gore and I don't like jump scares. So that kind of eliminates a good swath. It's a big of the genre chunk right away. <laughs> yes. Um, I think that in terms of personal history, uh, I, I didn't start watching horror movies until I had to. And when I when I made me that is like you know I would go to the movies with friends and I would be outvoted on what we were seeing that kind of thing. <laughs> I was no longer deciding what we would watch. So like uh, the both of the Ring and the Grudge came out when I was in middle school. So I saw both of those. Um, oh from, God. Like, you know, seventh eighth grade or whatever. Yeah, um, which, you know, and I think watching both of those, I'm like, okay, this isn't something that I really particularly enjoy, so I'm going to not mm-hmm. seek these out when it's up to me. Um, and, you, you know, I've, you know, grown out of that a little bit because, you know, I I just appreciate great filmmaking more than I am, like, my love of great filmmaking outweighs my fear of gore and jump scares. So, like, um, right. Scream is Scream is awesome. I love Scream. Uh, West, I that's watched that really for the first time this week um outstanding uh and like that's like a fun movie that i now watch like at least once a year nowadays um and like the opening of that and i agree with that (laughs) yeah yeah but like the op i mean not just the opening but like the opening in particular and that whole movie is just like so well crafted and so well done that i'm just like kind of in awe of it more than i'm like you know more than i'm off put by the stuff that i don't like in it so um Mm -hmm. you know that's about where i'm at you know i'll I'll watch a good horror movie if it's if it's you know if there's stuff to appreciate which there usually is but i didn't you know i didn't grow up liking them or anything like that yeah with with scream just on on that note i'm i'm really glad that i 
watched because I started off the week by watching, you know, the the first three big slasher movies that I could think of: uh, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Friday the Thirteenth. And I thought Halloween was pretty good. I I actually uh, really enjoyed Nightmare on Elm Street for what it's supposed to be. I, I I enjoyed it in the sense that I did not enjoy it. It made me very uncomfortable. I was very scared, uh, and because I think Freddy Krueger is a much more, you know threatening like like i said i worry about my dreams when i watch horror movies so watching a movie where you (laughs) really need to worry about your dreams that really that really hit me friday the 13th is a bad movie (laughs) (laughs) and the whole franchise is pretty much you know it's the whole franchise of friday the 13th and halloween to a lesser extent because the first movie is a classic for a reason but the whole franchise is exactly what i don't like about it's you know it's the same tropes it's jump scares it's you know teenage stupid teenagers who have sex and get killed that's the type of thing that i'm just not drawn to as much you know i'll tell you friday the 13th i disliked it so much that i will not watch any other movies in that franchise (laughs) the other ones i might give a shot you know at some other point uh but i will never watch another friday the 13th movie i (laughs) hated friday the 13th i thought it was very bad (laughs) <laughs> I I, th- I think that's a good a good transition point then to just like why do people keep watching these? Why do people like sure, the three yes. you just mentioned, Halloween, Friday the thirteenth, and Nightmare on Elm Street, and Scream for that matter. Like yeah. yeah. Those movies are thirty, almost forty years old. You know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is almost forty years old. Like what 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 is it about them, do you think? I have a few ideas myself, but what do you guys think? Well do you want to kick it off? What what's your what's your idea? Sure. Start us up. Well, um number one, uh they keep making them. Like uh, <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth, like Friday the Thirteenth, came out early eighties. I want to say right. No, it was one eighty two. I think it was. Oh no! Uh, Friday the first one was seventy eight. Seventy eight. Oh, there you go. So th- I just so looked it up. Late, late So late seventies was the first Friday the Thirteenth. They were still making direct sequels to that movie when I was like in middle school and high school. So the fact that like it's still it was still in the cultural consciousness. 25 years later despite the first one coming out long before i was born so that's number one mm-hmm. um number two is not to be overly simplistic but halloween is a thing like people yes. are looking for a reason to watch these movies every year around a certain time of year but not only that but also like it's a really easy costume to be mike yeah. myers or jason Voorhees or freddy krueger and that's actually the biggest thing i think is why they last is the iconography like horror movies more than other things like there's just the iconic images that just stay in the cultural consciousness whether it be the hockey mask or the william shatner mask with the hair or the striped sweater with the claw thing and the hat like those things are just so instantly iconic and recognizable and you know not only do people dress up like that every year for halloween but just something about it stays with you and not just those old ones like someone someone smarter than me pointed this out about the uh, Jordan Peele's first two movies. There's something mm-hmm. like, think about the the poster for Us before Us came out, and just the red jumpsuits and the brown leather fingerless glove and the golden scissors. Like that's just like an, an iconic image right off the bat before yes. you know what it means or what the movie's about. And just for his ability to come up with an iconic image like that, just again the the gloved hand with the golden scissors and the red jumpsuit. That's just very iconic, and just yeah, it's these, iconic. These movies have staying power. They have staying power, yes. like like, like uh, Get Out. I haven't seen that in. I, I did see that a few, uh, like a year and a half ago, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was thinking about all the horror movies I've seen last night, 
And I remember a lot of stuff from that movie quite vividly, which, you know, I can't say that for every movie that I saw a year and a half ago, but for some reason, Get Out sticks with me. And I think that's a function of horror movies. They, they get in your brain and they live there. And they just, and mm-hmm. so you can always come back to that. And that's what makes, gives it so much appeal. Yeah. I mean, the medulla oblongata, you know, like fear is a powerful <laughs> thing in your brain. You know, it, it's a, it, it does, you know, evolutionarily speaking, when we're afraid of something, we are, you know, programmed to remember it, to avoid it in the future. You know, so if you nearly get hit by a car, you're going to avoid getting hit by cars later in life. And so if you watch Michael Myers terrorizing people, you're going to remember Michael Myers terrorizing people. Yeah, I my, to say, if it scares you. Oh, go, go oh, sorry, ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I, I, t- you touched on this, but I, I, I agree that the thing that makes horror stick so much, in my opinion, is it's it's easier for a horror movie to make an iconic image or an iconic uh, piece of music because because yeah. the genre is so specific compared to other genres that are a lot broader. Um, horror can manage to have this single thing that becomes part of the public consciousness like i i have i've seen halloween the first time last year but i know the music i knew that mm-hmm. music i know the iconic michael myers mask you know nightmare on elm street i saw it this week the first time but i know for the it's, it's i've never it's seen incredible any of those how yeah it's incredible how they managed to to create these images that stick with you even if you don't know them and the second and- reason i think horror is so so much staring power is i think there's a compared to other genres there's a stronger subset of people there are there's like a group of people who are just horror fans they might not even care about movies all that much they're just horror fans they love horror books they watch horror movies horror tv shows horror comic books you know what i mean compared to other genres like yes you can be a sci-fi fan but it's very rare that somebody is only into sci-fi I would say generally people who like sci-fi, yes, you might like sci-fi more, but you still like movies as a whole. Well, yeah. I think what's, the- what's really strong about horror is you get people who are just like, I love horror movies. I just watch horror movies. I look for horror, any horror mm-hmm. movie that comes out, good, bad, I don't care, I'll go watch it. Right. I, th- I think you're onto something there. I think you're definitely onto something there because there is something visceral about, you know, more than any other genre, you're, you're kind of guaranteed a few things in any horror movie. Mm-hmm. And so the the um the level of commitment is probably lower like you need to be less convinced to go see a, a horror movie than you would to go see a comedy for example it's yeah. it's less you know what's scary i think is less subjective to some extent like mm-hmm. there is just something visceral about it that you know comedy is super suggestive subjective horror is less so you know someone jumping out and scaring you is gonna affect everyone the same way to some extent mm-hmm. so that actually brings me to what my theory on it is is uh that horror movies the reason that they hold up so well compared to other genres is because the the purpose of the movie isn't really about anything that you see on the screen necessarily like i mean obviously the imagery is important but it's about the feeling it generates more than it is about the actual physical appearance so like even Mm -hmm. if a movie doesn't hold up graphically like you know like it just doesn't have good cg uh as long as you still derive some fear from that scene in that movie it has the potential to stay with you longer and i think that you know because you know fear is something that we can all relate to it makes it so that as long as the movie generates that it it works Mm -hmm. and it's something you can go back to over and over again 
uh, if that's what you're looking for, is to, to get a little fear in your life. Uh, and the other thing, Hugo kind of touched on it earlier, the music is so iconic in a lot of these horror yes. movies. And I think that's another thing that makes people you know go back to it, especially like when you get to the Halloween season, uh, people start talking you know in their friend groups and on you know, social media about you know their favorite horror movies their you know and you, the moment someone says halloween you start hearing the theme in your head the moment yes. you know the, the same can be said for uh friday the 13th for that matter as well even though the movie is bad <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah and i, I think, think that those things that's another it... thing the movie the movie may be bad but horror fans have seen it and when a new movie in the Friday the 13th franchise is going to come out, even if it's bad, horror fans are probably going to go see it. And I think that doesn't really happen with other genres. You know, you don't go Not see often. a movie just because it's sci-fi or just because it's a thriller or just we, because it's a comedy. We do you know? for Star Wars. <laughs> that's, but that's a specific... That's okay. a franchise thing. Well, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a franchise thing. It's a franchise that's a lot of true. these horror things are franchises. Yeah, but you still get, you know, you still get your really crappy, low-budget horror movies that everybody universally says are terrible. But they're put out in February, and they, they cost, let's say, $10 million, and they're guaranteed Less. to make their money back and make that $30, $40 million. Because they can bank on that hardcore group of horror fans who's just going to go watch whatever, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that there's a streaming service called Shudder that's dedicated yeah. it's a streaming service only for horror movies you couldn't really do that right for any other genre, really. no you you absolutely couldn't because there's not enough there's not enough you know the, the, i don't think there's enough people who would be interested in it i think the only other genre that you could say has such a broad range is drama but drama is so generic it doesn't really you know it's not yeah. even necessarily a single specific genre and, and so i think I kind of wanted to reasons. touch on, you know, as far as horror holding up, uh, does does it kind of matter what subgenre in horror that it falls under that enables it to hold up? Or, you know, like slasher films, they're not really, they're usually not about a lot of CG. They, they don't really need a lot of, you know, special editing as long as they've got the blood and the guts and, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that stuff. They can kind of get away with a lot of stuff. But like, sci-fi horror do those do those age as well obviously we thought the thing did but do you guys think that the other sci-fi horror movies are going to be able to do that like life just came out a few years ago i think that sci-fi horror movies are typically more reliant on special effects than non-sci-fi horror movies um and like production design and that kind of thing um so you, you, I feel like with the sci-fi horror movie, you are inclined to, you, you ha- kind of are forced to show more stuff than something like yeah. Jaws, where you don't really have to show, you know, they didn't have to show anything. Mm-hmm. It was still scary. So like, I think Jaws is going to hold up not showing stuff. It's going to hold up more than something like The Thing, where they do kind of have to have uh, creature feature, special effects, yeah. and that kind of stuff. But they, I think with The Thing, because of the, they did so much of it practically, in fact, they did yeah. basically all of it practically. I think that in general, practical effects have a better chance to hold up over time than CG does. Uh, we'll get to a point where maybe CG is so lifelike that it won't matter if you watch it 40, 50 years from now, it'll you know it'll still look good. But with the, especially with early CG stuff, some like movies from the 90s and early 2000s, 
you know, except already Jurassic don't Park. Hold on. I mean, Jurassic except Park is Jurassic Jurassic forever. Park. There's exceptions. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yes, but there's also a thing with 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 old school practical effects in in sci-fi horror that even when they don't hold up completely in terms of how scary they are, there's still a charm to them. Yeah, I still think like I don't know. The, the the special effects in in something like The Exorcist obviously don't hold up. They look if you're just looking at them as special effects on them and trying to feel immersed and trying to find some realism in that scene in those scenes, they they don't hold up. They look obviously fake. But at the same time, there's a charm to the idea that they had to build all that and make it, and they had to do the on it, and they had to you know that it's something that you wouldn't see today, and so it makes it almost timeless in a way. Josh, uh, I just gotta say, unrelated to anything else, I gotta hop off because today is my wife's birthday and happy birthday, Katie. Oh wow! So yeah. I need you guys to uh, steer the to land this plane without me and uh, finish up the episode without me. Um, Would you do but, me a uh, favor that's, and that's totally leave, leave your camera running so that I don't have to adjust the framing yes, for the camera? I can leave my camera running. Yes, <laughs> otherwise I'll come on mic and everything. But basically, like yeah, we're, we were about to wrap up anyways. I just wanted to like yeah. you know I wanted to talk about slasher movies. I think they hold up really well because yes. uh, they you know they they don't they don't what they require they is age, good camera but... work. <laughs> yeah, what they need exactly. is good camera work, good editing, uh, good music, good use of shadows and stuff. But they only need you know you only need a knife and some fake blood and it'll be timeless in a way. I think the gore and body horror stuff that has the greatest potential to not hold up uh because i think that the more over the top they go with it you know the more the evident it is how, how real it is and so you know especially with more fake looking things that you would have seen from older movies and i um, think it's it's fair to say that in in body horror and gore um the movies that people do go back and watch time and time again are usually the ones that are so good that even if the effects don't hold up it doesn't really matter such as yeah. the thing where we said some of the effects don't hold up but the movie is so good that you don't really care mm -hmm. i was also going to say like uh monster movies you know i think that uh fans of monster movies don't necessarily love monster movies because they are afraid of the monsters in the movies yeah i think a lot of times they just really like cool looking monsters and so it yes. doesn't really matter that uh, you know, they look a little cheap. I still love old Godzilla movies because I love Godzilla. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then that, I was going to say that's different because you know you could make an argument that a lot of monster movies aren't even exactly horror. Right. You know? Yeah. So Godzilla. Not Godzilla is not necessarily a horror movie. It's a, it's it's a kaiju movie. It's sort of a different True. genre. But, but well, it, like it, again, Frankenstein it, it holds from up 1931. Oh yeah. Frankenstein, like that movie is very old. So like even the practical effects are old <laughs> in Frankenstein. Uh, but, you know, it's just such a classic, a classic story from literature in mm -hmm. general, but also in terms of movies, everybody ha has seen the clip, you know, it's alive. You know, everybody yes, has yes, seen yes. that. And whether they've seen the movie or not, you've seen that clip. And I think because of that, you know, monster movies, you know, especially older ones hold up just in general, because uh, they have such cultural staying power that whether or not you've even sought out to see the movie, you're aware of it. And so when you, the opportunity does come up to watch it, it's very easy to make the decision to go, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll watch Frankenstein from 1931. I have never seen it before, but, you know, everyone else seems to have seen it. It's Frankenstein. 
yeah. and it's the same um, thing it's the same thing that we said before it's it's their ability to create an iconic character yeah the iconic character makes the film hold up in a way that other movies from the 30s wouldn't because because frankenstein is immediately something you can hold on to and you have to watch this really old movie but oh it's frankenstein so i already know the story i already have a passing interest in it well you know maybe another film from the 30s you that you don't know nothing about and it's considered a classic but you maybe might not be as interested in it because you just don't know what it's about the one genre that i didn't watch uh basically any of this week and i guess it's technically two subgenres, but like found footage and paranormal i did some paranormal stuff but particularly like the found footage stuff that's I, where I, that's where i draw my line as well that's where yeah. i get really spooked like the films like wreck and uh, you know even paranormal activity which is one of the ones that i have seen or the blair witch project those are the one that i i get really unsettled by yeah. well i did, i thought about watching blair witch project this week but uh i you decided not out? to I, no, <laughs> I, I just up? decided i decided not to and not because i was like scared of it you know though i'm sure i would have been uh but rather i just don't want to see shaky cam right (laughs) you don't like it (laughs) a lot of the found footage stuff is is you know handheld camera oh i'm terrified so the camera's shaking because i'm so terrified yeah but that means i can't watch it (laughs) right right um yes but i I do think those movies probably do hold up because yeah because the concept is so solid that it doesn't really matter if there's a lot of special effects or if you know if it's shot beautifully or whatever, it, it, it still holds up and it's still scary. So it works. And especially it's because effective. again, they do so much of it practically. Like in Paranormal yeah. Activity, I haven't seen the movie, but you know, I know that they did. There's the, the vast majority of it is all practical. Yeah, and and I wouldn't even call them special effects. Like what you see in Paranormal Activity is, it's just people sitting around. What okay? You might like Par- You might want to watch Paranormal Activity because it's not shaky cam. So if you want to watch yeah. a fan footage movie, you can watch that because it's basically these webcams that this family has set up in their home, and it's just these people who have this sort of demon possess their house and weird stuff happens. And it's, for me, it was terrifying. But the people yeah. I watched it with were like, "Oh, but you don't even see any gore. It's not scary at all." And for me, it was really unsettling I see and i think that would be unsettling it. for me i i yeah I, mean, I know you you know not getting into religion too much i'm i'm a you know a religious person so right. things dealing with demons and possession and stuff like mm-hmm. that for some reason that just hits me in my head much harder than any slasher movie ever could so watching like mm-hmm. the exorcist which i did watch and rosemary's baby i was like those are yeah this is a little this, yeah this, give me some heebie-jeebies <laughs> <laughs> okay for me Uh, it's okay i'm i'm not a religious person so when it goes into like if the film is directly tied into religion i I already sort of feel some detachment from it i'm not as scared by it but what's really unsettling about some of these possession and demon movies is that it it's not even necessarily a religious demon it's sort of an entity that is haunting a place and and you never fully know what it is and that that really that really gets to me well, it's the, the last... implication of what it is that's scary. That's scary. When they give you an answer, 100%. it instantly gets less scary for me. The and I, I guess that that might be why sometimes I want an answer is because I yeah yeah I want it <laughs> you to don't stop want to be being spooked. scary. I want it to stop <laughs> being scary at the end of the movie. <laughs> uh, 
but the last <laughs> genre fair. that I think is actually after this week, uh, I was telling you before we started recording that I think is now my favorite subgenre in horror is horror comedy. Uh, yes. I, especially movies like Cabin in the Woods and Scream, mm -hmm. and you know, you know, uh, Shaun of the Dead. Have you, okay, Shaun of the Dead is one of my favorite movies of all time. I, I love it. I thought it was love fantastic. it to death. It's so and good. all of those movies require you to have watched other horror movies before you watch yeah. them. And so Definitely. I'm so glad that I did. I, I scheduled all those in my my week for the end of the week, uh, mm -hmm. so that I would have a good foundation of horror knowledge uh, going into it. And it, it totally paid off because all those tropes that they play off of, it's beautiful. And in and then they add the actual humor elements to it, like in Shaun of the Dead, is much more is much more comedy oriented than say Scream or Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. But those movies are still funny because of the way they use horror tropes. And yes. uh, so I, I definitely what's think that, really funny, that was my favorite. What's really funny in Scream is that, okay, the, the killer is not this unstoppable force like Michael, Meyer, Michael Myers is. Like he right. gets kicked in the nuts and he bangs yeah. against the door and he, he falls over. And he's still scary, but he's, he's distinctly human. And yes. in a way, he, make, he makes him a lot funnier. Love that movie, uh, yeah. But yeah, so I think that's another thing, especially talking about how horror movies hold up. Horror comedy, as long as you have seen older horror movies before you see a horror comedy, then you're going to derive some extra enjoyment from that. Yes. So I think that particular subgenre holds up even better than than the other horror movies, which already hold up really well. I think horror comedy holds yep. up even better because of you know subverting expectations or building off of your expectations and it in such it, a way, in a way makes it in a way they hold enjoyable. up because horror holds up like yes you know what 100%. i mean because 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 comedy by itself doesn't always hold up in fact i would say it's one of the genres that is very much of its time like 100 percent correct a comedy from the 80s it has 80s humor so a 2000s kid might not enjoy it as much well they may they may enjoy it but you know it's not as as directly tied into their comedic, you know, uh, ideas and their idea of what's funny and what's not funny as as a comedy from their time. But since it plays on the horror genre and the horror genre in itself holds up, then the comedy is timeless in a way. Well, so that's you know, how does horror hold up? That's our topic. The answer, really yeah. well. It holds up really, really well. Really, really well. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry if you again if you heard my dog yawn just now. Oh yes, I did. That was beautiful. <laughs> he knows it's time to wrap up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so next week our film to remember is going to be Jackie Brown, a Quentin Tarantino movie. Uh, and Hugo, you wanted to say something about that, I, I think. Yes, we we're watching Jackie Brown because the episode is going to be our personal ranking of uh, the Quentin Tarantino. And so we, each of us is going to bring their own top 10, top nine, whatever we'll discuss, what we'll do with Kill Bill next week. But we'll, each of us will bring our list of Tarantino films ranked and basically we'll add them up, average, average them all up and, and decide what our definitive uh, remember the film Tarantino ranking will be. And it'll, be. and it'll be sort of a template for ranking episodes that we might do of a specific series, of a specific director, or, or basically, you know, anything that can be ranked where we yeah. might do in the future. So that'll be basically the, 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 the template for that. Hugo and I love ranking. So, yes. Yes. So it, it's going to come up, uh, you know, pretty often. I'm excited. And, and Tarantino <laughs> is my favorite director. So I'm excited. Yeah. 
Um, so that's that's next week. Uh, but uh, for this week, we just want to thank you again for watching or listening, and remind you to please subscribe or you know and or like the episodes, and whether that be on YouTube or Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts, we're we're all over the place already. Uh, so please, uh, you know, subscribe, and and if you could tell your friends about us, uh, we'd we'd love to get some more people listening and participating with our film to remember, because uh, we do think it's you know it's great to go back and look at some of these older movies, but we're also going to be touching on newer ones as well. And we'd like y'all to come along for the ride. Uh, so with that being said, thanks again, and we'll see y'all next week. Yes. Thanks. Bye.